hello, hello. Fuck, that is loud. Oh, God. That's the headphones being loud, though. Okay, so... Something's going on here. Fucks in deep. I like it! These guys are jerks. Fucks in deep. Bless you, boys! Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable! Fucks in deep. Put it in deep. Sucks. That's what that's what's the problem is, and uh, probably uh, why I'm still here. I had aspirations of being a Leaf, and you know, clearly that didn't happen. They had other plans. I love the city of Toronto. I love being a Maple Leaf. You know, I'm just happy to be moving to a great city. Comes down the right way around, come Barry deep, shoot. Deeper in the puck deep, or pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep, getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep, puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. That's right, hello everybody. The Pucks in Deep podcast is back for a summer edition. And let's go, uh, I thought I was just going to mail it in for that intro for the summer edition, but I think it turned out alright. That's some top-notch production right there. The other thing I've tested out right now is, as you'll see, look, mom, no hands. Oh, you faded it out. music fades wow. itself out. So we're learning. We don't even need a producer. No, I guess not. Not if That sounds like it's starting to produce itself. <laughs> the, puck, uh, the puck pod is back. That's right, folks. Uh, Josh Coleman and Adam Lesko here. Uh, like he said in the uh, Twitter feed earlier today, we're taking a break for, from our summer shenanigans to uh, bring it into the kitchen here at the farmhouse for a summer edition of the Pucks and D podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Coleman42, at Let's Go Adam, and at PuckPod for the station's Twitter. And today, Let's Go is what? Just going to be a smorgasbord of shit that we haven't gotten to in well over a month's time, right? Yeah, it's been about a month, I think, since we, uh, since we put out an episode and we're like, ah, oh, well, there's, you know, wait for some news. And now we're at the point in time where I think there's so much news that we'll be hard pressed to cover it all. But I think we're going to do our best to, uh, Hit all the the big stories, the interesting stories. Um, you know, some of the news is going to be a little bit old that we're going to talk about. But uh, if you don't like it, then uh, it's too bad. It's our Fuck show. Off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I mean, obviously, with a lot of the, the big Leafs news, and and we've had some. We were blessed with some big Leafs news in the last couple of weeks as well that we're going to hit up as well. Um, a little bit of sends. Uh, this Calgary Arena deal is in the news this week. Um, so we got lots of interesting stuff to get to. So thanks a lot for tuning in. And uh, I guess we're gonna we're gonna sum up our basketball coverage because I, I feel like I don't know how much we're gonna get to if the Raptors don't have Kawhi anymore and they're not gonna be obviously not gonna be as competitive next year. But um, I guess we did want to bring up Kawhi leaving Toronto. The press conference was today where the Clippers announced him. Um, it was a 
that Steve Ballmer guy was pretty fucking excited there. He was like trying to get the media to give him a standing O or something like, we're just know. here to work, buddy. Like, leave yeah. us alone. He was fucking jacked up. Um, yeah. You know who wasn't jacked up as per every day of his life was Kawhi. The guy, no. <laughs> the guy just doesn't really seem to get fired up. I mean, obviously he does like on the court and everything, but he's just so well-mannered. Um, basically in every aspect of his, of his career and his life. And I loved when he said, did you hear towards the end of his uh, uh, interview there when, when he's like, when he's like, the players, they know what's up. Because <laughs> like, he was thanking everyone. He was thanking the fans. He was thanking the, you know, the, the city of Toronto and the fans of the country, the country of Canada, like thanking him for, or thanking them for, you know, following him and the Raptors and being supportive. And then he just kept going on and he's like, that's what he said. He's like, the players... They know what's up. Shoot me a text. FaceTime me. Like, it's pretty hilarious. We're still buds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll pretty- t- take you out in LA when you come through town. Now, are, like, I know you're not maybe as much into basketball as I am, but like, I feel like I'm going to cheer for the Clippers a little bit. Like, I, obviously, when it comes down to Clippers Rappers, and if it was a Clippers Rappers final, it'd be Raptors all day, right? But I can get behind the Clippers. I mean, they, they moved heaven and earth to get the guy, the, that Paul George trade they made was ridiculous they gave it like five first rounders i mean player movement i know it's not the same in the nhl but no one people would get roasted for giving up that many first rounders oh my well yeah it would be like these crazy offer sheet compensation plays that we're talking about teams would just not do it it's it's french it's crippling to your franchise yeah because i'm like i'm like fuck the lakers (laughs) fuck lebron and his super teams and all that shit and screw the the warriors and um, I don't know who else was really seriously in a, in on Kawhi. I don't think anyone else actually was. But uh, man, the whole Kawhi watch. I was on holiday, so I was I was refreshing Twitter way more than I should have been at the cottage <laughs> because like there was the reports like, oh shit, there's a black fucking SUV at the airport from the MLS uh, MLS jet and like. There, and then there was the, uh, they were tracking the jet over to LA. Oh my God. They were driving down the fucking highway following the SUV. Yeah. The, like, the entourage. Or the guy got out of the plane with a towel, like with a towel. Yeah. I was like, that's Kawhi. That's got to be Kawhi. He wouldn't be coming back to Toronto just to say he wasn't coming back. And he, that, I bought into that. <laughs> I bought that narrative for sure. Like it, it, it's like, would you really come all the way to Toronto to say no? So I don't know if they were still in negotiation periods or what, but obviously there was more than one meeting there. And But by the sounds of things, at the end of the day, the Raptors knew, you know, they might have had a year or two window with Kawhi, and I think Kawhi saw a bigger window with the Clippers and what they could build, um, given that He's, the Raptors yeah. have a lot of guys that left you, on a one-year you deal. You window or winter? Yeah, well, yeah, you could probably say for both. Because it sounds like <laughs> at the end of the day, the guy wanted to go home, and uh, the Raptors would have had to do, do something similar uh, to, that the Clippers did to make it happen. Because it sounds like the the deal for George is what really sealed it. But it, I think I think he also kind of goaded the Clippers into doing it and be like, hey, do this one thing, and I'm pretty much good here. Well, there was a little bit of uh, talk as well that Kawhi was involved with the deal in a sense where he said listen i will come there just bring bring paul george there and i'm there yeah kind of thing so it was like it was a done deal if they got both of them but it may not have been a done deal if they didn't get paul george but and i mean that just goes to show you though that probably is the case given the fact that they made that crazy trade to acquire him it was like like you said they moved mountains to get him yeah and and you know it was interesting because going i think that week when quiet watch was so hot um, they talked about how the Clippers was out and it was going to be Toronto or uh, uh, the Lakers. 
And, and then Jalen Rose was 99.9. Yeah, 99.9. And like, I was like, fuck, <laughs> I think he might actually be coming back. And, you know, I figured, I figured he might have on a one year deal, say, had the Clippers not, not made that move. He probably, he probably would have. Yeah. And you could tell it was an option because Danny Green stuck around and waited to commit to someone. Uh, on uh, after it was announced where Kawhi was going to go. Right, to the so, Lakers for Danny Green. Right. It seemed to me that Danny Green was going to the Lakers unless Kawhi signed with the Raptors. I think he, he would jump stay. back. He yeah. would have stayed. So, so. Like, like maybe a, a little two-year deal and just put the player option in that second year. So we yeah. have you for definitely one more. And then if, if if things are going well and maybe we go back-to-back with you or something, then mm-hmm. maybe you option to stay again. But for me, I'm not going to – you started it off, the basketball conversation, just minutes earlier when you said you're n- not as much of a basketball fan as I am, which is 100% true. I, I, like, I'm off that wagon faster than I am. <laughs> Kawhi's gone. I'm gone. <laughs> I, like, I, I'm gone. Like, I mean, I was on the wagon so hard. It was, it was a lot of fun to be a part of it, and I – bought the shirt and the hat and I went down to Toronto and went to Wayne Gretzky's bar, RIP Wayne Gretzky's bar. Yeah. Shutting down. So I was there for one of the last uh, moments, I guess. But um, yeah, I got on the wagon hard and it was a lot of fun and I don't really, I'm not really going to chirp too many people. Like a lot of my Sens buddies listening right now will be like, Oh, all he talks about is wagons when he's chirping me and stuff. But that's different. That's cause you, that's cause you're chirping me. <laughs> you're chirping me. So I got to dig down deep to get back at you. But it, when in reality, I don't really give a rat's ass about how you cheer or who you cheer for. I don't care. I don't care. I will care when you start chirping my team, you start chirping my team and you started watching hockey five minutes ago. I'm going to be like, hey, I, I like, you know, who are you? Yeah. Who's your team? Well, I, 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 I kind of like the blues, you know? Oh, okay, well, <laughs> why is that? You know, well, because I just started watching around uh, January or March when they turned it on. And it's like, okay, well, I, I don't really care what you have to say about it. But yeah, I'll yeah definitely... for, for the Raptors wagon, sorry, I wrap it up for the, for the Raptors wagon, I'm, I'm off. But in the same breath, I, I'm not going to say like, oh, I fucking told you so because I know what I'm talking about because I'm a big basketball fan. But... I did not see Kawhi returning. I mean, for the sheer fact that who in their right mind, who is an MVP of a league, well, a playoff MVP, I guess, right? Who wants to play that sport in Toronto, Ontario, Canada? I think the only reason why they're an option is because I think he prioritizes winning over anything else. So one of those teams... I'd say the Clippers or the Raptors had to prove to them that they were going to be contenders to win next year. Yeah, but year. why did the Raps win? Yeah. <laughs> so that's a fair point. Right? I'm yeah. just saying. So like he, he going back to Toronto wasn't like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to Toronto because let's say if I looked at all my options, my best one was to stay in Toronto. I don't think that's the case anyway because they only won because one, he was in the lineup and two, Golden State had a, a slew of important yeah. injuries. Everything had to go right for the Raps too. I mean, they got monster years at a lot of guys. And I think a bit of credit has to go to Masai Ujiri, Ujiri in this situation because he pulled off probably one of the, the most productive trades in, in sports. Like I, don't, I can't even think of an example where someone pulled off such a move where it led to a, a an instant championship. Co- Columbus? Oh, wait, no. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got to, yeah, we'll get to that. But uh you, you got to take a look at it too. Is that he could have done the same thing through the whole world at at, uh, at OKC to make that trade, and and didn't do it. So, I mean, good for him because he's he's not going to mortgage the uh, mortgage the future like that, and especially knowing that 
the given the Raptors situation, like I said, a lot of guys, a lot of their core players are on one have one year left. Um, you don't know what this team's going to look like at all next year. And unfortunately it could be a rebuild situation. I'm still going to enjoy watching the team and, and all that shit. And I am repping my fucking Kawhi I saw that. shirt, which actually came in the day before he announced, uh, he announced that he wasn't coming back. <laughs> <laughs> like it took forever to get, I had to get this thing from the U S they were sold out all over Canada. It's That's the, amazing. It's guess, pretty sweet. It's the, uh, the white shirts they were wearing on the bench. Like it's the, pretty sweet. The NBA final shirts. Really nice. A good keepsake for for you know I'll still rock and all. I that. feel like I'm uh, still a Kawhi fan. See, you know? I feel like when I saw you get out of your truck today, uh, I thought at first because I saw your back first. I just I think because it's just a simple white or a black letters on white. I thought it was a soccer jersey. I thought you oh. were repping your your soccer jersey or, or something. Because also Lesko, L E Leonard, like you were just getting out of your truck. So I thought at first glance, I thought it was a soccer Jersey. Right. And then it was the Leonard. And I was like, man, that's pretty, that's pretty unreal. But, uh, actually before we move on, uh, from the basketball conversation, speaking of soccer, how's your fucking, uh, how's your men's league going? Oh man, we're doing quite well. We're seven Oh and one with a plus 30 something differential yeah Dude, we're, that's our record we're for, crushing it right now that's our record for hardball nice that's the same record for for hardball well, looking yeah. looking good for uh for a repeat eh yeah yeah well hope hopefully you guys too right you guys we're looking for a three. Oh, three p yeah wow yeah. see we're so looking we're hot yeah we're looking to build on that too actually we just had uh, a game um oh my god what was it last oh, night yeah big win against uh the braves eh? the band for braves yeah. yeah so uh local legend in these parts uh, jamie bramberger um he was down at the field and he was taking a bunch of pictures and shit and then he came over he was talking to our team just asking us like questions about the league and how many teams were in it when it started and all this other stuff he's taking notes and everything fucking puts a piece in the observer nice so it's it's in the on it's on the online version i believe tomorrow and then it'll be actually on the weekly papy that we get on Thursdays. Oh, that's awesome. So that is pretty sweet. Yeah, one of the pictures is is sick, dude, that he shared on his uh on his Twitter feed. He shared like four pictures, and one of them is me like like just about to start a hack. So like all my muscles are going. If you know what I'm saying, right? I sent the picture to Kirsty, my I think fiance. I, I think I saw him posted. Yeah, actually. she was like, she was like, oh, look at your arms and that. I'm like, I know, I look like I'm on <laughs> roids. Yeah, I'm on roids because I'm just about to take a big cut at a at a fastball. But yeah, um, nice to get a little coverage too. I know he covers the fastball league. Eh? Yes, like, Mixburg. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't know like what the difference is between you so, guys in that league. Or- and check. Well, they're they're um, windmill. Like oh, the windmill, okay. like, uh, not underhand, but they, you know, windmill pitching and we're hardball overhand. Right. Right. And, um, but yeah, what was pretty sweet too, is like just knowing that, um, the community is going to get a little bit more aware of the fact that we've got some pretty sweet games. So it's right there at Riverside park. If you drive by anytime after eight o'clock, you see the lights. On. Yeah. I had a game that night. I drove by on my way. Right. Yeah. Almost went early to watch, but didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I mean, they're not always going to, you should text me and find out who we're playing. Cause, yeah, cause sometimes you guys, always, dummy, yeah. you guys dummy like chalk river and those yeah, guys. The games eh? aren't always fantastic, but we got, we got a few coming up against Killaloo. Uh, that should be, that's, that should be pretty good starting this Friday. And one last quick one before we move on from this, uh, fucking Kojiko is going to be doing the finals nice. on TV. Awesome. Like, why? Well, I don't know. They don't have anything better to do. Like, But I mean, well, why I not? I know we were trying to get them for our finals last year. And same sort of thing. We're trying to get a little more press and promo exactly, for the league. Because yeah. we're trying to grow the league. Just because 
like, I don't know if you know this, I think we talked about on the show before, but sports like enrollment is down in general. And, um, for example, like I found it recently, one of the biggest high schools in the Valley didn't have a senior boys soccer team this year. So that's crazy. That, that seems like, crazy, dude. And yeah. And it, it, it's, it's not surprising based on hearing that as to why our, our, the league has declining numbers and only so many teams. So it's, I mean, you got it. You never thought sports would have to have to market, but they, they, they but do, I mean, man. You know, especially soccer, let's go because soccer is, and you know, uh, actually in Jamie's little piece, uh, he sent me the little copy of it. So I could like, just so that some of the guys could have a look at it in his little piece. He, he indicated that, you know, over the years, baseball is really, uh, dwindled the numbers have dwindled and he pointed to soccer because of course as we all know soccer is a much more inclusive style of game I mean you can play it anywhere with anything with very little equipment bare feet if you really want exactly right yeah. and so from that you see some skills and then you see interest and then you continue to move on and then sure now you're paying into being on some traveling team or whatever but at that point let's go you fucking love soccer so yeah. that's why you play so it seems really surprising to me to see that even a sport that is so inclusive like everyone can play yeah. that kind of slogan is i feel like soccer is the best example for that the rich the poor the boys the girls they can all play and it seems uh, shocking to me that even those numbers would be would be uh, going down seems like an overall trend i think kids just play video games more than they play sports nowadays, well it's not even know? fucking video games it's on the phone now and that and it's like, all like i think there's stuff. a lot of overblown fear about concussion this and getting hurt that and all that kind of stuff and yeah you get injured but i mean i mean Fuck, like, you've you got know, a few you've there's got way few more things cells. there's yeah and let's be honest there's way more things that cause injuries to children than fucking sports so i don't want to hear anything about that shit <laughs> anyway since we've already talked about every sport on the planet how about some hockey <laughs> well hey i just wanted to see how your summer was going i was i was hearing some <laughs> feedback that apparently we should talk a little bit more about what's up like, oh yeah what's, what's up? up with our lives and not story time, but just checking in well, and, you know, maybe talking about, like, you know, you went to the cottage. How was that? Did you fuck. I, man, it was nice so nice weather. again, Get fishing man. going 30 on. 30 degrees, sunny every day, not a drop of rain. Fishing every day, morning and night. Love it. Drinking for several days straight. Got my crew up for the weekend. Big-ass fireworks show. Right like, on. Probably, like, $600 worth of fireworks, which is way too much, but... No, it's fucking about, awesome. That's about right. Oh, it's unbelievable. Like between what? Between between like six, oh, we had six like, people? Uh, we had like fifteen people. Oh up my there. god, fifteen. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. I would have been like, everybody give me fifty bucks right now. <laughs> no, I mean like we went so what was we do is we tell everyone like, you know, buy fucking buy a firework, buy a box or something yes. with like sixty shots. That's what it, I'm saying though. Everyone some of the guys go fifty dollars worth. Some of the guys store. go real overboard though and like you know, obviously, I'm not going to be pissed and go pick up a few extra boxes. Oh, that'd be right? neat. Oh, but that we put neat. on a hell of a show. Better than probably than whatever they put on here at in, the marina. Town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt it, man. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of Canada Day, two great Canada Days in a row, uh, right? So, we last year we had the John Taveras. I had the famous video, my buddy taking it of me, where I had to have a seat and I was like, we're going to win the cup. <laughs> and it was just like amazing. Uh, not. I would say maybe 50% of the same excitement level that I had when we signed David Clarkson in 2013. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we'll yeah, back to, to back, back to back Canada days, Tavares last year, Tyson Berry later on in the day this year. Um, pretty exciting day, man. We heard a couple of Tyson Berry highlights off the top. I had a really good time uh, searching for some highlights to use for him because 
it meant that I got to see some pretty sweet Tyson Berry plays. I mean, this guy's pretty electric. I knew that going in anyway, but anytime you roll the highlight film, it, it gets you pretty excited. Well, yeah, I mean, the guy's got, you know, incredible offensive ability, and that's what he's known for. I mean, I... Probably the main reason why I've known about him for years is is fantasy pedigree, right? You know, he puts up points. You know, yeah. he he can move the puck well, and obviously he's he fits the mold of what the Leafs want in in, in their defensemen. And uh, you know, it's almost like having another Morgan Riley out there. I, I'm not putting him on the you know the same pedestal because I I truly believe that Riley is an elite defender in this league. I agree now. Um, but I think Barry brings a similar skill set, and I think fans are really going to enjoy watching him this year. Well, I think Barry is a moderately improved version of Gardner. Uh, that's really what I think. And and yeah, okay, we lost Kadri. So if you want to if you want to break it down for me in my mind, we we lost Kadri. We replaced him with Kerfoot. And I would say that Kadri is a moderately better version of Kerfoot, but Kerfoot is younger, almost like a more evolved version. Yes, he's, he's been in the good league word. longer. Good and, word. Yeah, more yeah. evolved version of Kerfoot. So then, it, by virtue of that explanation, I think if we look at Barry and Gardner, Barry maybe not so much evolved in this sense because I don't know where they are in age. I think Tyson Barry is slightly younger, a little bit younger, not yeah. much though, maybe two years. Yeah two or three years younger than uh, Jake Gardner. So I don't know if I'd say evolved. I just think he's a little bit better at his craft right. than Jake Gardner is in the sense that they're both offensive D-men. They're both puck handlers and puck carriers. Um, as far as puck movers and puck clearers, <laughs> maybe not the greatest at that craft, but I still think Tyson Berry is a step above Gardner in terms of his decision-making, his uh, awareness, and his ability to make moves under pressure. Right. I think it definitely um, you know, puts the second PP unit a uh, notch up now because I think he's a little more better suited to that situation than, say, Jake Gardner was. Um you know, not to say take anything away from Gardner's abilities to move the puck and distribute the puck, but just the quarterback and the power play type situation. You know, Barry's been doing that for years with some very talented guys up front in Colorado. Now, I guess the question I have for you, though, and, and you know, I think I want to talk a little bit about is as, how do you feel about Naz moving on? And how surprised were you that, you know, I was pretty shocked because that was the first news. We found out... Kadri was getting traded before we found out who it was for. Yeah. Well, and, and well, I wasn't surprised. It was right at, I was listening to Overdrive and it was literally the last 3 seconds of the show. Yeah, when they found out he, yeah, they found out he got traded right who, at the end of the show. Whoever right? it was said uh oh, I'm I I feel bad I'm blanking I can't remember who it was. It was not the regular crew. It wasn't the regular crew. It was the summer crew, right? Anyways, whoever the fuck it was, right as they were signing off, he was like he was like, Kadri for Kerfoot. And I was like, what? Like, that, 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 that doesn't make, like, okay, fine. It makes sense, I guess, in the sense that we're acquiring a younger, cheaper version of Kadri that we could extend at a cheap dollar and have him grow into something. I was really trying to talk myself into why I thought this was better than trying to see how it made sense. I did not like it at all. And then someone texted me right away. Hey, did you just hear what they said on overdrive? I was like, yes, I was fucking listening. What is going on? And they were like, no, it's, it's Barry. And I was like, what? And then of course onto Twitter. And by that time it was, it only takes fucking a second. 
I mean, it's a great deal for both sides. I mean, the Leafs get that RD that they wanted. Um, they get Kerfoot, which I think is kind of the sleeper asset in this deal. Like, I was surprised that they were able to get someone with... I, I shouldn't say that he has that much potential because I think we kind of know what it is, but he's, what, 24? So there might be a little bit left in there um, uh, considering... You know, you plug a guy in with better uh, players, better line mates. You could see a little more out of them. Dude, I'm excited about Kerfoot, like a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think there's something to be excited about. But uh, you know, Nasly even is a little bit tough. Well, it's not shocking though, because I think after the second suspension, there was a lot of that rumor mongering about, oh, he's got to be done. They can't trust him. I didn't fully buy into that narrative, but I also thought in the back of my head I wouldn't be shocked if he was dealt because fuck did he did he fuck us again right yeah I mean you know he loves his team and he I loves know, the yeah. city and all that stuff and I never questioned his loyalty and and he brought it every night he's done everything that team's asked his heart him was to in the do, right place always. and he had to fight to even become a regular and not get traded years ago and I have all the respect in the world for him but I I, I'm hoping that this is good for his career because he's going to play a larger role in that Colorado team. And they needed that center depth pretty bad. Like he's going to be playing second line center and he's going to get tons of ice time. He's right where he should be. Power play time. Like he, he's going to be slotted in a good situation. Oh, and he's got a chip on his shoulder, man. Did you hear him on 31 Thoughts? No, I didn't actually. Oh, you should tune in. That's where I got that little clip of him talking about, you know, I love Toronto. Dude, he goes into like, he goes into like a total... Um, honest moment when he talks about the veto of the Calgary trade and like why it happened and stuff. It's, okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. He basically, I'll let you listen to it, but he basically says uh, for the listeners that don't want to tune in, because why would you listen to that podcast when you, can you listen, got this one? Why would you listen to 31 Thoughts? We have 131. Yeah, there you go. Okay, we're obviously better. Where, um, where was that when we were coming up with podcast names? <laughs> 137 thoughts. Oh my God. It changes every episode. 31 opinions would have been not bad. That's actually pretty funny. Okay, but anyways, yeah, what he was saying sorry. on 31 thoughts uh, with Elliot and Jeff, um, he said, listen, no offense to Calgary. I think they have a great city. I think they have a great team. I would have, I would have, I would have enjoyed to, to play on that team if I, if I had been traded there. But he said, here's the thing. I knew that if I said no, that it only meant for that moment, I'm still a Leaf. I will say no to this in the hopes that by nixing this deal, it means that I will be a leaf. So that's how yeah. bad. That's how bad. Yeah, he wanted I did to hear stay. that. That he wanted that the idea. His motivation was almost that. Okay, well, I have control here. Maybe they won't find another deal for me, and, and they'll get stuck with me almost because I want to stay and I can, yeah. I can kind of work my way back up the trust chain or whatever he felt was going on in the yeah. back of his head. And we've talked about this before, dude, like the, the whole suspensions thing. Like we've talked about how, yeah, that, 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 that weighs into your assessment of the player. But at the end of the day, I don't think like when he got suspended the second time, I know, I know, I know a lot of the sheep and a lot of the couch GMs were yelling, trade him, you know, trade him. He's a bum for doing that. Fuck him for doing all that. You stuff. know, trade that him. wasn't the only factor. No, it was not. I don't even think it was a major factor. I just think it was, I do agree that it was a factor. I don't yeah. think it was any sort of significant factor. However, it wasn't a surprise given the organizational depth that we have. And it is just a business at this point. And business is winning. Winning is good business. And it's not that we couldn't win with Nazem Kadri. It, it all comes full circle when you're talking about the suspension, Lesko, because the problem for, for Nazem Kadri specifically was that he never had an opportunity 
And this is his own fault. Two times in a row. Two times in a row when the team was good. Good enough to beat the Bruins. Okay? We can both agree on that. Can we not? We lost yeah. they, We lost in Game 7 yeah, fair. both times. Yeah. We were good enough to beat them. Okay? And both of those times, Nazem Kadri failed to show... Well, yes, but it, by virtue of that, he failed to show the ownership and the management and the coaching staff that he is an integral piece in winning the cup. Right. I.e., we go to the conference finals and Nazem Kadri is, for some reason, being amazing. He's, well, you know, he's turning himself into some sort of Thomas Holmstrom idea where, where, yeah, sure, we could trade Thomas Holmstrom, but we could also just put him in front of the net on the fucking power play. I guess what bothers me the most is that especially uh, this past season when he got suspended, is that his game, especially against a team uh, like the Bruins, his game is so critical because he has a dimension that a lot of the Leafs don't have. And it's that edge. It's that, that whatever you want to call it, that mojo, that get up and go, that in your fucking face it's play. It's a gr- gritty play. Right, and, I, and I, I have a lot of respect for that, and I love that. And it's probably what I'm going to miss the most because it's not an easily replaceable guy. And but I think they gave him plenty of chances and plenty of opportunities. And the fact that they signed John Tavares, let's be honest, it made him a little bit of a surplus. Oh, like, expendable! In for a perfect sure. world, you're not paying a third line center five million dollars, even though his contract was great for what he brought to the table. His contract was great if he was a two C. Right. His contract was great if we didn't win the Austin Matthews lottery. Right. When he was the first line center for the Leafs, leading them in scoring that year when we were garbage. I mean, he carried that he carried that team night in night out. I don't even know, if, like, what would we have done if we if we uh, had to pick line A? Oh, my God. Yeah. The surplus of fucking wingers. Like He'd some, still be there. Kadri would still be here, and yeah. someone else would be gone. You know? Fuck, line A'd probably be gone after the year he had this year. Jesus. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, end of the story. It, it is, it is going to be a, a sad thing for Naz. I believe they asked him on 31 Thoughts uh, when he's coming back, and I think he, I feel like he said December 14th. He said it immediately. Oh, he looked it up right away. Oh, he looked it up immediately. That's what the guy said. They're like, have you already circled it on your date there, Naz? Or what? He's like, December 14th. <laughs> and he knows that when he's coming back to the ACC, you know. Yeah. and Expect him to put on a clinic SBA, sorry. Yeah, and you know, the other thing he said too towards the end is that at the end of the day, there's no hard feelings at all. He understands how it works. He wanted to be around, but it didn't play out that way. Uh, Leafs had other plans. And he said, what I liked about what he said was he, he said, it's nice to be wanted. Now, I don't think that that meant that, like, I don't think that was a dig on the Leafs. I think it was just a, a straight up, like, nod to the Colorado Avalanche for saying, like, we, we want you. Like, well, we fuck, we like, want you on our team. You and know? I think I think you could probably find at least over half the league that would want him. Oh, of course. You know? yeah. Especially yeah. considering the centerman and what he brings to the table. But you know how people are. They're going to make that sound like a dig against Toronto. Now, did you hear what the Calgary deal was for? Like, it apparently was for TJ Brody. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I've heard. I'm so glad rumors. that he nixed oh, that. Oh my God. Cause he too. saved our asses almost. Yeah. 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 Imagine he's like, listen, this isn't a great deal. Kyle. Cause cause <laughs> him for Brody, I, I wouldn't be as thrilled about it as him for Barry, to be honest. No, but let's say, let's say, no. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. No, you're right. Because, because, because we didn't only get Barry, we got Barry at 50% of his I know. That's salary. what I couldn't believe. Mind they, blowing. That's what I couldn't believe. And we got, and we got Kerfoot. Kerfoot. That's like a throw in. 
Like, I don't know if... I And I don't understand. I never really got a good perspective on why they threw in Kerfoot, but... Unbelievable, man. Well, he was... Listen, I know why a little bit about that. I won't go off too too crazy on it, but, but Colorado has a lot of RFAs coming up. Like, right. yeah, they've got a lot of money right now and all this thing. Remember, the, there was talk about Colorado being a good suitor for a Mitch Marner offer sheet. And, right. And yes, while they have $36 million right now, okay... 10 of that is going to Miko Rantanen. Right. And in, I believe it's four years, you're going to have to, you're going to have to sign Nate the Great. Yeah. And he could be the highest paid player in the NHL when he signs. And because he's got to cash in for money lost. Because Absolutely. right now he's making... 6'3"? He's the best contract in the NHL by far. Oh my far. God, he might be the best contract in the history of the NHL. Yeah. You know who's the second best contract in the history of the NHL? Pasternak? Kevin LeBanc. Kevin LeBanc, I know. They got <laughs> hey, a million bucks, like... If, if there's like a team friendly deal that's in the it. NHL, that's it. You look up team. I know friendly. it's a bit of a show me prove me, but how the fuck? Oh, do it's they not even a, a it's million not, bucks, dude. It's not even show me prove me. Like that's it's, Tyler Ennis. That's Tyler Ennis money right listen, there. Like you, you can you can put it put it in the Kevin LeBanc that he is going to get overpaid big time on his next. So you think you get? I wonder if they told him like, "Well, handshake next time." Handshake. Yeah, like. We got at least a couple extra mil to pad your pad you for that one. Yeah, listen, or a bonus listen, or something. We want to extend Eric Carlson. We already did. We want to bring back Jumbo Joe Thornton. We lost Joe Pavelski. We're gonna need some replacements there. We need you to take a huge cut on your deal, and then when you come back to the buffet table next year, we'll we'll compensate you because it's a one year one mil, right? Right. So next year, I can't wait to see what what Kevin LeBanc's deal looks like. So how like. do you feel about the Sharks offseason so far? Because they lost Pavelski, and that's a huge loss. Like, that's a... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like to talk too much of intangibles because we can't measure them, but, like, Pavelski being the captain, being there his whole career, you know, scores goals. You looked at that playoff run, how much he meant, means to that team. Like, first of all, huge move by Dallas. Like, Dallas... And I, and I understand it is going all in. They got Pavelski. They they gave Perry a nice. I know they gave deal. Perry the deal. I mean they they they've got some veteran guys. But if you look at the ages of guys like Ben and Sagan, I mean they gotta go. It's time to go. Time to go. They got Bishop in well, there. Well, what do you want me to talk about? You want me to talk about Dallas? You want me to talk about San Jose here? All right, pick one. <laughs> well, you started off with the Sharks. Well, so. San Jose, like, how do you grade their offseason? I mean, they they gave uh, Carlson made him what the third highest paid player in the NHL, I think. And they got LeBanc at a wicked deal, but they also lost a few guys in free agency. So it's I know I know when you're when you're a team like San Jose and you're you've got an embarrassment of riches and you're uh, perennial contenders, that's going to happen to you. That's the reality of the the hard cap NHL. Yeah, I mean the loss of Pavelski is is huge, but I mean let's let's be honest though, it's it's not as if Pavelski is a 23 24 year old true he's out his prime now i would say so um and i don't think that that you know he kind of had a freak injury there uh in the playoffs right when he was um who uh cody eakin yeah when he got got him right yeah the the call that changed it all the call that changed it all yeah. yeah um you know i don't think that that injury is any necessarily something that you have to like factor in or consider but we all know Lesko. As we get older, we become a little bit more fragile, and they're playing a sport that is 
absolutely ridiculously intense. You have to either be a physical specimen like someone someone like a Phil Kessel. All joking is <laughs> all joking aside, Phil Kessel is a physical specimen. The guy does the guy refuses yeah, to put really put that guy in a fucking museum. He he refuses to buy into the regiment of the standard status quo for a good pro. He's an early 90s superstar. Yeah, he and he's just killing it, right? But now you've got the new age players that really uh, I'm not going to say they're unbreakable, but like they seem to well when you're younger you heal faster so i guess what i'm getting at is pavelski and his age they're going to miss him but i think the main reason why they're not going to miss him so much is the combination of two players emerging for me and they're timo meyer and milker carlson yeah i think both of those guys uh milker carlson can play wing and center uh meyer is a strict winger um Carlson is 29 years old so he's I'm not saying like he's a young budding guy but he's a July birthday in uh, in 1990 29 years old so he's still looking good but Timo Meyer 22 years old let's go um and up for uh they actually extended him for uh one year so he's yeah. RFA in 23 24 so you had to know that if they were resigning Carlson guys had to go they gave a lot of money to Vander Kane last year and you'll see have the emergence of of Tomas Hurdle as well I think to thank for the ability to expend a guy like Pavelski and the fact that basically this bumps Couture up the lineup and and Couture is uh you know, he's a number one center in his own right, just been playing in the shadows of Pavelski for several years. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's a tough decision, business decision for them to make, but it's got to happen. So, what I mean, 11 5 for Carlson, and eh? like, yeah. just on their cap friendly page right now. It's crazy. I, I'll give them a pass, though. I, I'll, I don't know if I'll consider them necessarily a loser because of the guys that they that they lost. I, I'll, I'll say it balanced itself out because they did lock in Carlson, but obviously. It remains to be seen, and, and a lot of the proof is going to be in their play next year. Um, I guess if we really want to talk losers, the obvious one, and I think a lot of people would have called this, is the Columbus Blues Jackets. Um, they saw Duchesne walk. They saw Dezingle walk. They saw, uh, fuck, who else? Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky. Yeah, the big one, <laughs> which, I mean, that contract. Ten. 10 mil for a goalie too like well they gave man. it to price they give price 10 5 i guess but he's not carry price no like, he's not i mean he's i mean he's done it like he's won in fesnes he, he's shown everything his last season was all right but i mean when how often and i think we mentioned this before on the show how often do his uh, top flight starting goalie hit the ufa market? exactly yeah so you really know happen. they can almost name their price because there are 15 teams lining up to get him yeah, well, I mean, here's the other thing too, right? Florida needed it, okay? Florida needed this, like with with Luongo retiring, and I, I don't want to lose I don't want to lose track of Luongo's recapture penalty. Let's 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 make sure we talk about it. Talk about that at some point. But they needed it. Luongo retires. Yeah, there's a cap uh, recapture penalty for both the Panthers and the Canucks. It affects the Canucks more. I think it's like one point three million or. Maybe more. Yeah, it's, it's all on the Canucks, isn't it? They have to pay. No, but the Panthers have something very small. It's like hundreds of thousands. That's that's, that's the crazy part. Well, how long has it been playing Canucks? Five years? And they're well, they gave them, but they gave them the deal. They did, yeah. And and, and as we showed in that clip, yeah. which you so conveniently <laughs> put in there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a contract sucks. A contract sucks. And oh, that, does, it, does it, Lou? Does, does it, all that money suck? That's why I put it in there, because it sucks. It sucked for the Canucks then, and it sucks for the Canucks now because he's retired. So they have a recapture uh, penalty for a couple of years. Um, well, fuck it. We're talking about recapture. We might as well just 
throw it in there real quick. The Shea Weber deal. Do you remember? The yeah. Shea Weber offer sheet. Philly sent him in 2012. 14 years, 110 million, right? Yeah. So if Weber were to read, and the contract ends in 2020, uh, 2026. Contract is done in 2026. If Shea Weber retires at 2025, which I believe he would be how old at that point? 40? Like he'll be old then. Yeah. If he retires, dude, the Nashville Predators will have a salary recapture penalty of $24 million. That's insane. Like it's absolutely crazy. And like that, I'm surprised right now, and I'm sure behind the scenes the Canucks are making a stink about this because it's actually, so $3 million annually for three years. I knew like, it was more than like one. That's, yeah, that's three. pretty significant. Yes, and Especially because you're, you're the Canucks, you're, you're, you're starting to build up, like you're starting to become a cap team, up and comer. That's good. That's, fucking i mean that's a decent player yeah but that's what happens when you front load deals yeah well i mean and but you look back it was a different time this was signed it was a different it was before the previous cba right when these stupid deals were being signed so i think it's a little fucked that they get penalized i'm sure this is something that's going to come up in the next cba how do you change it midterm i'm how do you i I don't think he can and that's probably why the nhl hasn't so dude are you telling me that but i mean the shea weber thing like that i think that's that's, fucked i think that's going to create like a collective stink you know like 24 million dollars in one year now if he if he retired it would ruin your team it would if he retired two years prior to hit the contract being ended it would be 12 million because that 24 million dollars gets divided right it gets divided by how many years is left on the contract so i believe if he retired right now it would be uh what 21 it would be divided by six yeah if he if he retired right now it would be divided by six so it would be it would be uh four million per per year if he retired now but he's obviously not retiring now, Lesko. Like, so how many years does Shea Weber have left? Five years? Who knows? That if, means he's probably going to retire. If you're you hope to fuck that he keeps playing. And I mean, Luongo, I think some people are obviously a little pissed about it. I'm sure the Canucks woke up that day being like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, but fuck that, man. If you're Nashville and it's, and it's 2025, you're sending Nancy Kerrigan's boyfriend. Or sorry, uh, not Nancy Kerrigan. Fucking uh, Tanya... What? Why can't I think of her name right now? Tanya Harding. Yeah, Tanya Harding. You're gonna send Tanya Harding's fucking husband to smash Shea Weber <laughs> in the knee with a fucking lead pipe so that he goes on LTIR. Yeah. <laughs> but he's had a couple surgeries too, so there is a chance that come that time, like, but it, let's go. If you retire f- because you are injured, like, listen, I've had because well, those guys don't really retire when they're injured. They're just on LTIR the rest of their that's what they rest do. of their career. Because basically, right now, like, uh, you know, Pronger's retired quote-unquote retired right yeah but um i mean i think all the stars align for florida for that to happen uh luongo coming to come in the end of the road basically saying you know i'm too beat up to play them getting bobrovsky was a huge coup for them i'm actually huge. quite surprised that they weren't able to line panarin as well me I too mean, that's a huge get for the rangers a team that just a year ago i believe it was sent out a big rebuilding letter to their fan base saying like you know we're gonna take our time doing it right but you got to think the addition of panarin I mean, that's got to expedite their rebuild. And, and I really think makes them one of the winners of free agency. Well, I mean, they won twice. They won the draft lottery. Uh, well, sorry, the Devils. Yeah, Capo Caco. Yeah, right? That's so, right. So you got, you, got, uh, you got Panarin coming in. You got Caco in there. 
You've got uh, what Zabanajad is still in there. That's correct. Right. These are number Dude, one center. You got Henrik Lundqvist in there. Let's go. This is so important for both the NHL and the city of New York. And I want you to pay attention to me for just two seconds while I tell you this. Look at all the international talent that is going to be playing for the New York Rangers in Madison Square Garden. Do you think the NHL is happy that the Rangers don't matter or haven't mattered in in, in, in a couple years? Like, it's not good for the NHL when the Rangers don't matter, man. They play, they play in... In, in New York City, the greatest city in the fucking world, you know? And now all of a sudden, instead of having like all these homegrown American boys and Canadian guys punching each other's teeth out, they're getting talent from elite level talent from Finland, from Russia, from fucking wherever Zabanajad is from. <laughs> Sweden. <laughs> yeah, Sweden. And from, I was going to say Sweden with Henrik Lundqvist, but like they, they, they have so much talent from an international uh, perspective. So I feel like it's not like it's hard to sell games, okay? Sell tickets to games in Madison Square Garden. But when you're talking about all these like, all these uh, different cultures that are coming to the Rangers to play in New York for the New York Rangers, original six, they're going to be good. They're going to be exciting. They're going to be doing interviews in all kinds of different languages. Like people are going to be tuning in to follow their, their favorite players, people that weren't even hockey fans before they even heard of Capo Caco. Yeah. But now they have a Caco jersey and the Rangers, they got season fucking tickets to the Rangers. <laughs> you know, like I think it's just going to be a real, a real positive thing for both the league and of course the city of New York. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I mean, it, it's super exciting. I mean, you're bringing in, you're bringing in a guy like Panarin, who's, who's just an electrifying player altogether. That's got to in, inject a lot of excitement into the fan base. And I have this weird, like attachment to the Rangers. Like I, I used to be really into them when they had like Shanny and Yager and shit, like in the, the mid to late two thousands. Like I used to play a lot of uh, like be a GM mode with the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. I really liked the foundation of players they had and, they're um I they're gonna be one to watch next year. I mean they've gotten significantly younger. They've done a really good job of of hitting the reset button. I think and it goes all the way back to when they traded Rick Nash there, um, yes, yeah. quite a while ago, and and and, and managed to uh, get get a good haul for him despite him being at the end of the line. So um, definitely big winners in free agency. And we didn't even um, talk about Truba. No, and then Truba's <laughs> the one the one other piece. Yeah, I wanted it's to mention piece. is that. Uh, um, and that actually could bring us over to one of the losers of free agency, and that's got to be Winnipeg. Yeah. I mean, losing Myers and Truba, I mean, those they've, they've gone from having one of the deepest defense cores in the league to being pretty average, I would say, overall. They uh, they lost more than they added, that's for sure. Yeah, they weren't um, able to. I know they have trouble bringing in free agents because you're Winnipeg and, and nobody wants to live in fucking buttfuck Manitoba and all that shit. Apologies if anybody lives in Winnipeg. but uh, And they still got to get Kyle Connor onto a regional deal and Patrick Lining. So they're not out of the woods yet. No, they're not. That's what I was going to point to is that they've got two of their... And I mean, we're not just talking about a couple of guys that need contracts here. We're talking about Patrick Lining, uh, a, a, a proverbial uh, goal scorer's goal. You know, that's what he scores, right? He doesn't score the garbage goals, let's go. He scores the goal scorer's goals, okay? Like he knows how to shoot the fucking puck. He's probably one of the best shooters in the NHL. Yeah, he didn't put up 50 goals like people thought he was going to. I actually listened back to one of our old episodes and I was I, I picked him for the rocket. Ah. You know? 
No, but that just goes to show you that, like, well, A, it goes to show you that I don't know what I'm talking about. And B, it goes to show you that people who do think that they know what they're talking about, like myself, that call ourselves big hockey fans, we all think that Patrick Laine is going to be something special. He's only 21, okay? And guess how old Kyle Connor is? 22. Yeah. Like, these guys are extremely important pieces for them. Obviously, they've got the Wheelers and the Shifleys and the Ehlers of the world. But then... You know, it drops off significantly after that, Lesko. You've got Brian Little. It feels like Brian Little's been in the league for 100 years. Yeah, he's on the way out. You, you know, figure. he's he's getting 5-3 at 31 years old. Matthew Perot is getting 4-1 at 31 years old. And then you've got real drop-offs. You've got fourth liners, Lowry, Kopp, uh, you know. And then it's line A and it's Connor. You need yeah. these guys. You need them and you need them to be locked up for a while. And I feel like a bridge might be coming uh, for Patrick Laine. We'll get into a little bit more conversation in a bit uh, when we talk about our RFAs. But yeah, back to Winnipeg. I don't know, man. They've got a couple of really good pieces locked up for a while. They've got their goaltender locked up for a while. So they do have core pieces. Oh, they're pieces. still good. I just, yeah. I, and I understand the sacrifice they had to make. They had to let these guys walk in order to pay their young guys. It's just, it's just a matter of fact. You can't have a defense core that deep with up and coming forwards and expect it to continue. It's just they're in trouble on time. D. They're in trouble on D. Yeah, cracking a couple of summer pints here on the on the pod, having a good time. Dot, what are the dogs fighting? Eh? Oh fuck, Lesko's got to pee. Well then, go pee. Fuck, I'll hold us over. Well, <laughs> that's what happens when you drink fucking pints on the pod. <laughs> So now we're testing out the acoustics of the farmhouse as Lesko relieves himself during the uh, during the podcast. But we just talked about some RFAs, Line A. Um, the biggest RFA, obviously, out there uh, throughout the entire summer and still is Mitch Marner. Um, I would have I would have probably given Marner, Aho, and Rantanen uh, the three top dogs uh in terms of restricted free agents and we all know the situation with marner because we hear about it every fucking day because it's the leafs we don't really hear anything about miko rantanen or guys like patrick line again i would put rantanen a little bit ahead of that i would expect to maybe hear a little bit more news uh in in terms of a, a, a superstar high profile player like a miko rantanen i haven't heard jack shit about how those contract negotiations are going. I guess because it's Colorado, no one gives a rat's ass. No, because everyone's talking about Marner. Yeah, everyone's talking about Marner. But I would like I was just saying while you were in the bathroom there, I would have went I would have went Marner, Aho, Rantanen in terms of the top three dogs. Um Aho gets signed to a laughable offer sheet, basically um you know Tom Dundon, the owner. Wasn't is, that bizarre? It was bizarre. He's thanking Mark Bergevin. Like, would he send him job. a suitcase full of cash for that, or what? Because, I mean, and they came out and went. What was it? A day later, they're like, "Well, we're signing. You know, we're going to sign that. We'll match that. No problem." Of course, they were. And they because took, they probably they thought it was going to cost them more. And they took their seven days to do it, which 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 effectively hurt Montreal because while the offer sheet is pending, you can't do anything else. Well, and I mean, you can, but you can't do another offer sheet. And if you know, if you're at house camp and you know you've been asking for more, which I assume they were, and you know Carolina has the cap space, why do you go and sign that offer sheet unless you legitimately said, yeah, fuck Carolina. I'll Dude, go play in Montreal. I guarantee you it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like, he wants 10, 10, 5. They want to give 8, 8, 5. 
Montreal submits an offer sheet for nine five, and both sides are like, "Nice, yeah." Nego- like, negotiations are over because I and now I've heard this kind of translate over the Marner narrative, whereas people have said the Leafs are almost hoping that maybe somebody throws them an <laughs> offer sheet, Mark. so they can just match it and it's over. Mark, do it again. Yeah, because they've got the cap space, right? It's not a matter of not being able to match an, uh, an offer sheet, which fuck all you people who all said like, oh, he's just going to offer sheet and they can't match it. Of course, they're going to prepare themselves for such a situation, especially considering that's all anyone could ever talk about for the last six months or whatever it's well, been. Well, the, the, the Clarkson deal is really what got my wheels turning because the number of overage is coincidentally 10.55. Which means I think ten five is probably a cave by both sides in the sense that Marner wanted no less than eleven. Like Marner overvaluing himself. Yeah, Marner. Leafs. Yeah, Marner wants no less than yeah. eleven because Matthews gets eleven one three four. Is it eleven one three four? Yeah, something like that. Now, what do you, what do you think about ten five for Marner? Just say hypothetical. Ten five is fine. You think 10, that's fine? Yeah, I think ten five is an overpayment. So I think it's an overpayment. I think it's too. an overpayment. Let's go. But if we get term on that ten five, then in seven years from now, it's not right. So like, I I could see him uh, definitely producing like a ten five player. Yes, but it's just I guess at any time you see such a number for a guy who you're like, and I I shouldn't I shouldn't say I'm not sure of him, but in comparison to the guys we're already paying ten plus mil to. I, I I guess for a winger, it's somewhat unheard of other than Artemi Panarin. And, and, you know, that might be the comparable that you're, they're using because we all try and use these these younger comparables in a similar situation as Marner. But he might that might be the comparable that the Marner camp's using is saying, well, I want fucking Panarin money. Yeah, Panarin. Because, Panarin and Panarin's a UFA, yeah. so he gets to name his price. True. So you don't have the same kind of leverage. No, but that's, yeah, but that's the kind of deal that you hit when you are a UFA. Right. Not not when you're an RFA. When you're an RFA, you 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 there's a little bit of banking on yourself that's involved. Yeah, and you're you're also if you're the team, you're paying for term. Yeah. So you're paying them a little more to buy up some UFA. But listen, years. like like when Nathan McKinnon signed his deal at six point three coming out of his entry level deal, that probably sounded amazing. Six point three million dollars for the next eight years or whatever his contract was. I don't know exactly what it was, but six point three million dollars for you know the remainder of this contract is going to be is going to be fantastic for me he signed it in 2016 so yeah he signed seven years so 6.3 over the next seven years sounds sounds amazing but then all of a sudden it's 2019 and a guy like mitch marner let's say we bridge marner and then he comes back and makes fucking like 12 or 13 because the cap is up He's making double what Nathan McKinnon yeah, is making, which is ludicrous. When you put yes, it that but way. but that's all hindsight. That's all relative to right. the inflation of the cap. And they so also it, signed McKinnon to that deal when Colorado was coming out of a couple bunk years. Yeah, true, true. But in terms of dollar, in certain, just in terms of strictly dollar to value, forget right. where the teams are at and how badly they need you to take a pay cut and all this stuff. My services are worth this much money. So in 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 terms of that relation, you've got a guy like uh, Nathan McKinnon who obviously did what Marner doesn't want to do. Nathan McKinnon did what Marner doesn't want to do. Right, he doesn't want to end up underpaid in a few years. Exactly, right. and in order to do that, you have to overpay me for the first couple of years, mm-hmm. and then by the end of it, you're actually thankful that the contract is is what it is. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest here, are we, assu- are we assuming that a guy like Nathan McKinnon, I know they play different positions, but let's just talk about how good they are. 
Um, are we assuming that a guy like Nathan McKinnon is just going to blow past Mitch Marner in points every year from here on out? Well, I think I don't think somebody's so. already proven that he's a better player. We can give him that. Oh, oh, I'm not even saying that Marner's as good. I'm just saying when you look at the season-ending point totals and you're going down the board. I don't think there's ever going to be that much space between Nathan McKinnon and Mitch Marner. Right, so that you can draw a line as in like yeah. X amount. This guy got 104 points. This guy got right. 97. You right. know, this guy got 118 points. Wow, this guy got 104. Like they're always going to be like really, really elite level players. I don't know if there's that much of a difference where you can say I'm worth double your fucking salary. That's the biggest difficulty I think a lot of teams are facing. And this is kind of... Um, I guess can be attributed to the the evolution of how the league is going. I mean, prime ages are lower than what they what they traditionally have been. I mean, we used to consider twenty seven, twenty eight as prime. your prime years. Yeah. Now it's your twenty three, twenty four, twenty five years. So these players are recognizing that the agents recognize that, and that's why you see so many RFAs haven't been signed yet because. They're trying to bank in, you know, they're trying to cash in now. They're trying to get the paid now. And because they're producing now, and in a sense, they deserve it. But the other side of the coin, and you're, if you're the team too, you're trying to find those team-friendly deals, those bargains that in a couple of years you're laughing about. But at the same time, you're also using that RFA leverage and be like, listen, this is what we're offering you. Take it or leave it. We're trading to fucking Columbus. Yeah. Right, so sorry, Columbus. I know you just got <laughs> fucked a whole bunch in the off season, but it it yeah. is true though. I mean, uh, I like how you kind of allude to the way the league is moving because that is the way the league is moving now. And it, it I'm not going to say it started with a guy like Austin Matthews, but I think Austin Matthews was a good indication or a good indicator that the players' mindset is changing a little bit. Yeah, and 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 for for. Good reason. I mean, they're making immediate impacts. Like yes. These guys have, you know, Mitch Myers made an immediate impact on this team. So it's line A, Besser, like, Connor, the, the point, the, line, the list goes on. Yeah, right? the list does go on. You got Provorov, you got McAvoy, you got Wierenski. You know, right. there's lots of guys even on the back end that need some deals. And no one wants to under, yeah, no one wants to get underpaid for their services. That's pretty much all it is. Yeah. And, um, you know, with a guy like Matthews, for example, there's talk about whether he's going to be a Leaf at the end of the five years. At the end of the day, if you are able to be successful in, in those five years, if you are able to win a championship in those five years, as a diehard fan talking as Josh Coleman right now in my kitchen, I, I would not care if he left. I mean, yes, of course I would care because, oh no, that's a good player that left the team, but I'm not going to be like, fuck you, Austin. You know, like not going to go all fucking you snake and burn shit in the street. (laughs) No, because he was successful and he brought a championship to us and he earned the right to, to make his decision. Dude, do you not think that if Connor McDavid could go back in time, he'd fucking slap the pen right out of his former self's hand when signing that eight-year max deal? Well, I think even when he signed the deal, the consensus was he's worth more and worth more to the team, but this is all they can realistically afford to give him given the hard cap situation. Yeah, so why not sign for five, Connor? What are you doing? Eight. But the other side of the argument is, and this is something that might be commonly brought up, is the Connor McDavid example. Okay, I'm worth this much to you guys. I'm worth more overall. I make you more money, but I'm going to take this in order to leave some on the table for you guys to build a team around me. But what do the others do with that money? Not a whole hell of a lot. Not a whole hell of a lot. But shout out, shout out to Kenny Holland because the first trade that guy made, he found someone to fleece. 
And he fucking flees the flames. Real fucking good for James Neal. Not to say that James Neal is amazing or he's going to go back to being a 20-30 goal scorer, but I'll bet on James Neal scoring goals all day as opposed to Milan Lucic. Well, instantly you can just say, okay, Lucic, who was basically dead weight on our team in Edmonton, we'll just move him right along and we will take this skilled forward that has a scoring touch and play him with Connor McDavid. Yeah. The Connor McDavid card is extremely important in this sense. If James Neal gets traded for someone Lucic-ish and goes to that team, I don't think James Neal is jumping on the first line right away. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to be on the first line, but I guarantee you James Neal is going to get a look riding shotgun. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, they've had some complete no-names riding shotgun with Connor McDavid. Uh, it's very Sidney Crosby-ish, you know? Like, you can put a guy uh, like Bill Guerin uh, in, in the twilight of his career with Sid because he had the touch. Yeah, he put up 20 years late. Yeah, even though he was older, he still had the touch. James Neal's not old, old, but he's an older vet in this league, and he has the touch. Yeah, if you can shoot the puck and score goals, that's all you need to do to play with that guy. All of a sudden, you have it on your stick. You don't even necessarily have to keep up. You, you know, you got to keep up enough to be in the zone at the same time as him and be in your position. But like, you don't have to chase him down on no. the cycle all the time. And I you mean, can, if you're feed- a shooter, you go to the fucking net, you put your stick on the ice. And let's be honest, you can feed passes into that guy's feet. Yeah. Like, okay, no, no offense to any of the skilled players on the Flames, Monaghan, Goudreau, right? Like, those guys are great. I'm sure they can take passes in their skates too, Lesko. But I'm just saying, you can throw a fucking hand grenade with the pin pulled at McDavid and he will somehow MacGyver yeah. it, get Put it back to like, you. Yeah, yeah, get it back to you and you'll score. And you'll be like, I don't even know how that happened. Should have went out of play. But he gloved it down, kicked it ahead and gave it back to me and I scored. <laughs> so like that, that's going to be James Neal. Lucic doesn't have that touch. He was a no. strong forward, physical presence. You know, and maybe the Flames were lacking a little bit of that, Lesko. And well, maybe, that seemed to be yeah. what I read about is that they're like, you know, one of the articles. And granted by fucking Eric France is just a fucking mouthpiece, yes man to the Flames. But right. he's like, well, they addressed a need and that's toughness. I didn't know anyone in the NHL was even going out looking for toughness anymore. Like, I don't think they went, we need to get tougher, let's get Milan Lucic. I think they just wanted to get out of the fucking contract, but then they took on an equally as bad contract. <laughs> with some salary retained, okay, fine. Fine, yeah. You know, that makes a little bit more sense. So it's, it's you know, maybe they think they can make a reclamation project out of Lucic. I don't know. I don't know enough about the player of the team to, to address that fully. But it sounds but like a fleece. I, but on, on the surface, I feel like the first deal as Kenny Holland made as the Oilers GM was a fleece job. So props to him, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I did want to touch on a couple things. Since we're on the subject of Calgary, I'll, I'll delve a little bit into the arena deal was reached. Now, this was a little bit surprising to me. Not that they reached a deal, but how it came about. Because the last time we talked about this was when it was in the news and the Flames were doing the whole fear monger, we might leave, bullshit, yep. yada, yada. And, and Gary Bettman and saying time, nothing. <laughs> I think this was right around election, municipal election time in Calgary. And then she was doing a lot of tough talk. Basically, no public money for arenas. We've got to sign a good deal. And they love him out there, eh, Nenshi? Nenshi is extremely popular. Yeah. Extremely yeah. popular in Calgary. But And you know what? And... From a political standpoint, if you you have to look at the deal because it's it's much more complicated than I can explain. But basically, on the surface, they're both splitting the cost of this new build, okay? Okay. And there are multiple uh, 
avenues for revenue for the team. Um, I know they're selling the uh, naming rights to the Flames. They're retaining ownership of the building without the maintenance costs. And I, I think, you know, getting stuck with the building is a bit of a fucking fleece job right there. But I think maybe Nenshi bet on his political capital a little bit, as in, I'm popular enough to withstand a bad arena deal over several years, or I might not be here to see the fallout. To see it anyway. But I'm not popular enough to withstand the Flames leaving fucking town. Yeah. Which I'm sure the Flames, you know, whether or not it was real or not, would use that negotiating tactic to the full extent. Yeah, and it's a rock and a hard place situation, but the way the way out is the excitement of having a brand new facility, state of the art, right? That's the way out. Because if the taxpayers are unhappy about it or whatever the case may be, his way out is look at this awesome facility. Yeah, we're in the we're in the red a little bit here, but the other way out too, Lesko, is to have a successful product. And the Edmonton Oilers anticipated that, right? When they had McDavid, they they built McDavid a brand new rink. And they filled it with excitement. They made the playoffs. And then since then, it's been completely downhill. So they need to see something turned around. And Calgary needs to hope to follow the Edmonton plan, only sustain some victory, sustain some success in that in that new building. Yeah. And, you know, and we talked about this before. And, and you know, I feel this way. I've never been in a situation where I lived in a city that had an NHL arena or was ponying up taxpayer cash. But I don't fucking buy into it. I don't, It's corporate welfare. It's fucking throwing money at millionaires to build a fucking building that they can fully afford to finance themselves as if, and a lot of the studies over the years that have debunked the whole idea that there's all this economic spinoff benefit to an arena, okay? And I, I, you know, I'm not going to delve into the details of the deal. So if you want to look into it, if you're a listener, Google the shit, look at the deal, look at a little bit of analysis on it. And if you want more insight into the history of sports teams in general and cities financing deals and teams jumping ship, um, check out Bill Shea. Uh, He wrote an excellent article for The Athletic not too long ago that basically has analyzed um, a number of different arena deals over the last, I think, 30, 20, 30 years or so and how those played out and what economic benefits are generated and you know his kind of conclusion was it seems that the public and politicians and some public members of the public actually got to vote on these things are kind of blinded by the fancy mock-ups and the charts and all that shit yeah graphics and, and excitement over yeah. it. like you said the excitement yes. of it and and Shrouded. buy in whereas you really look at it and and you think about it and what makes this more complicated and a harder sell for Nenshi and Calgary is that at the same time, Calgary's not doing that well. The Alberta economy's not doing well. Oil's down, all that shit. Investment's right. down. They're in the middle of cutting $60 million from their fucking budget, but yet they're ponying up fucking 200 and some million dollars for a stadium. That's a tough sell. Yeah, it's He's true. lucky he's three years away from election because maybe he can fucking recover in the meantime or they get to have a nice fancy ribbing coming in yeah, there with the yeah, yeah, arena. Yeah. But that's a tough sell. But you know, it's funny. It is a tough sell, Lesko, but to the hockey fans and those are the fans that are listening to this podcast right now, they're like, what are you talking about? They Give me their new ring. They need a new Saldo's arena. Saldo's a piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> I have fucking season tickets. I've been going to that shitty arena with my sneakers stuck to the floor for fucking 12 years, you know? Like... So, uh, yeah, but uh, a couple closing points on it just quickly. It'll be a 19,000-seat venue. It's $550 million. Shovels go in the ground uh, in 2021, and uh, one condition is that the uh, the Flames will not be relocated during the 35-year term. 
They're locked into a permanent lease. Permanent lease, right? All right. So the one other story I want to hit from around the boards, around the NHL here, is the Panarin story. Now, if you guys have not been to check this out yet, um, there's a very excellent dude I follow on Twitter, uh, Slava Mahmoud, if I'm hopefully not butchering that. But he basically took the uh, interview that Panarin did and translated it uh, into reading English, into reading English, <laughs> and not like broken Google Translate. No, like this good. guy speaks Russian, actually translate it. So he broke it down very well, and it's it's actually insane about how much he goes at Putin and goes at the Russian regime because traditionally. Russian athletes are on Team Putin. They're front and center. Ovechkin is your textbook example. You play first line with them at the annual game. You set them up for 11 Genos. (laughs) Something tells me Panarin not going to get invited next year to this game. The the goalie makes a save, and he's found dead in his Ah, apartment. He's in Siberia. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not funny, but I mean, at the end of the day, like if I'm fucking Panarin, and if you go through and read some of the shit that he says here, this is unheard of, okay? Like, I know people bitch about not having rights and freedoms and the government's in my life. No. You don't live in Russia. You don't live in Russia. And and you, and read some of the reaction that uh, also as well, because I know Slava did a follow-up article on some of the Russia media and commentary that's come out about Panarin. And it's all basically saying like, he should stick to hockey. Don't talk about politics. Um, you don't disrespect the country because basically in Russia and in a lot of places where you have this huge cult of personality where someone's been in power for 20 years, they equate criticizing the leader with criticizing Russia. Like somehow yeah. you're yes. an- anti-Russian because, you know, oh, you're a big money guy lives in America half the year. Go fuck yourself type yeah. deal. Yeah. But if I'm Panarin, I'm clutching my passport type, making copies and keeping a bag packed. Yeah. Do we have eyes on Panarin, is- I you know I haven't heard a lot about it, and maybe it's just because most of the, the North American hockey media is on vacation right better now. Better look out, the bread man may have been sliced. Well, fuck the bread man, better fucking get a nice Manhattan apartment there and get cozy. Because- you know, it was it was kind of um, harrowing. Harrowing is the word. It was harrowing to read what he was saying. Read how he was openly admitting that yes, that's the way it is in Russia. We are all basically either blindly supporting or supporting out of fear. Right. But at the end of the day, it's all support and the money continues to trickle in. The money does not stay in the small communities. He says the money goes directly to Moscow. Right. He says it's, it's very corrupt. It's very scary. And a lot of people are supportive out of fear. And like I said, that's a harrowing realization for someone like myself, some thirty-two-year-old male, white male in 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 rural Canada, you know, who has what do I have to worry about? It really makes you put your problems in perspective, right? And, and you think about, and even and there's another article I'll direct listeners to as well. And there's an, a very good article. I wish I could, you know, name it exactly where to find it. It's in the Athletic somewhere, but it talks about the origin stories of Panarin. This guy grew up broke, rural. Russia wearing oversized equipment his whole fucking life and and barely made it to where he is today. So you can understand this guy has a real good perspective on what it's like to be poor in rural Russia as opposed to being the multimillionaire he is today. But I, I really urge you to give it a read. Um, he's very deeply philosophical in his analysis of the he, political situation, is, yeah. especially after and he really talks about after a few years, it took him a few years of living in America to kind of 
really realize how different it was and how kind of how fucked Russia was in comparison to America or Canada or whatever. So I, I, I really urge people to check that out and um, let's keep a close eye on Panarin and hopefully he shows up to yeah, Rangers training, training camp. camp. No kidding. You know what I did like about it too was obviously how open and honest he was. But that it, takes it, huge balls. It, like it wasn't just it wasn't just some fucking athlete talking um you know cutting someone else's grass. Okay, listen, you you play hockey. Just just do that. We don't need your fucking opinions and whatnot. The guy is is well spoken on this topic. Right. It's not like he's just He didn't si- watch a bunch of YouTube yeah, videos and yeah. just like and This just- isn't just his opinion. Yes yeah. it is. Yes it is his opinion, but you can tell by the way he expresses his opinion that it's it's educated yeah and it's nice to see a guy in his situation and and recognizing the environment around him and actually a have the balls and b use his platform because i mean it's one thing for people here in canada or the u.s to speak against the government and against tyranny or whatever the fuck you want to bitch about but these people have fucking gripes that we couldn't even dream about okay and i think that's what this article really puts in perspective and this interview does. And I'll kind of leave it at that so we don't get too fiery on the political train here. Yeah. But um, congratulations to Panarin on that big contract. I'm really looking forward to see what him and the Rangers do next year. And I'm really hoping this whole thing in Russia works out for him and he's big enough that, that you know, he can move past this. Because I know there's already talk of like, oh, he should be banned from national hockey or like the Russian team and all that yeah. shit. So there's, there's going to be a 30 for 30 on, on this. There could be someday. Someday. So someday. you want to hammer out a couple Leafs things and wrap this shit up? Uh, no, I definitely want to get to Eugene. Oh, yeah. Eugene. Yeah, that's <laughs> we, we got Sens and Leaf stuff kind of lumped together here. Oh, I see. Since okay, the Sens decided they go on to go dumpster diving behind the ACC there. The Ottawa some, Maple Leafs. Yeah, the they Ottawa They wanted Maple to go Leafs. get all those D that they didn't have. I know. Well, somebody <laughs> forgot about defense, but good thing Ottawa remembered that we had defenders that we didn't want. <laughs> so they took them. You guys have no Ds, so we're going to take all that error that you just the let go scrap of, heap yeah. sends. No kidding. So break it down for us, Lesko. Okay. What exactly went down? So surprisingly, we found a way to get rid of the Zaitsev deal. But you went, oh, fuck, we got to bring in Kai- Cody Cece about the same price. Right. Well, guess what? We only have to pay Cece for what, a One year? One year, yeah. One year as opposed to five years to Zaitsev, right? Yeah. Take that deal all day. Yeah. You know, Connor Brown had to go along in that deal. Yeah, sorry, Connor. Sorry, Connor. Feel bad. Really liked you as a Leaf. You know what? The good thing for Connor Brown here is that he's going to get a good opportunity to play up in the top six for Ottawa. Show some worth. Got a chance to earn a bit more money for himself. Maybe snipe a couple of genos. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Connor, you're going to be minus 23. Uh, Maybe. But (laughs) but if you can pump in 25, yeah, you know, like if you can pump in 25, someone's going to want you. And you can get out of there. Don't you worry. I'm sure his family's happy. I remember during the um, 24-7 HBO series or whatever when they were following them around, I remember getting my heartstrings tugged at quite a bit when they showed Connor Brown and his family. Yeah. Because if you remember his mom... His whole family's diehard. His mom was crying when she was talking about... She was just talking about how her son plays for the Leafs. And he'd been playing for them for like two years, three years. And she was fucking crying because she was like, this is... This is the dream. Like my son is living the dream. So this is a tough situation for Connor Brown too. Yeah, and I absolutely. feel badly for Connor Brown. But 
He moved down the uh, highway to, uh, to, to to Ottawa. He can zip home and do his fucking laundry and get some home-cooked meals and come back to Ottawa if he wants. But, yeah, like you said, he'll get a decent opportunity to show some worth and maybe uh, make, a, make a better move for uh, a career move for Connor Brown. Yeah. So basically what happened here is the Leafs gave up Zaitsev, uh, Zaitsev Brown, and Michael Carcone. Carcone? Anyway, it doesn't matter. You'll never hear his name again. True. Um, sends uh, offer up CC uh, Ben Harper, Anton Luchuk doesn't matter. You probably never hear him again. And uh, 2023 rounder. So all around, like a deal I'm happy with. We got out from underneath that fucking Zaitsev contract, which we knew was an issue. We get a guy back in CC who could be pretty much the same, could be worse from the sounds of things. Because I saw a lot of Leaf fans on Twitter freaking the fuck out about this. Well, let me give you a quick interjection on CC here. Here's my take on CC, and I have we have a, a, a good handle on the Ottawa situation because they're so local and. You know, you talk about it a lot with your local friends, right? CC was a strange one because he was an offensive D man. Well, he was highly touted too. He was highly touted coming in. But he was mainly, a first yes, but mainly as an offensive D man. But then they already had Carlson, and CC was thrust into this defensive style of play, and then especially even. Uh, it was magnified even more when when Boucher was coaching because it was very very defensive style, and that wasn't Cody CC's style of play. So he lost himself. That's what I believe. I believe he lost himself as a player because he wasn't called upon to be the same guy that he was uh, when he was being successful. And as as a result of that, you lose yourself. You're a younger D man in the league. It takes them longer to um, evolve and develop as players. And all of a sudden, you're playing in a toxic environment where no one's coming to the games. Everyone fucking hates the owner. You don't even know what you're doing. Carlson is gone. Maybe I get to be the guy again. No, we got this other guy, Shabbat. So you're still a fucking nobody, Cody. Then he gets dealt. Now he comes into Toronto. All he has to do, let's go, is be serviceable. I mean, That's the word. Serviceable sixth defenseman, That's basically. the word. Yeah. We just need you to be serviceable. We do not need you joining rushes. We just got Tyson Berry, who's one of the best in the league, at joining rushes. I'm mm-hmm. not saying he's the best in the league. He's just very, very effective at joining the rush. I noticed that from all the highlights I was watching. Yeah. Like, Cody just has to come in and be serviceable. That's it. Somewhere in the middle, Lesko. Move the puck to the forwards, let them score, and try your best to make sure that the other forwards don't score on us. That's yeah. it. That's all you got to do. So I'm looking forward to Cody CC being in the lineup. I feel that he's got a decent opportunity to be a mainstay in the lineup. You got to remember Lesko, too. I know he's going to be RFA at the end of the year, but... This is a very important year for Cody CC. This is a year for him. This to, is a make or break potentially. Yeah, this is Especially, a career year. And I'm going to add to that a little bit because I I am of the belief that he was somewhat miscast in Ottawa. Okay, you got to you got to look at it this way. Once they lost Mark Mathot and, and uh, I believe Eric Carlson, he was playing fucking top minutes on the top pair, a lot of minutes with Dion Phaneuf on that team. Okay, so again, like you said, he's going to be in a situation where he's got to be serviceable. And I, yeah, I know he's being paid a lot more than a serviceable defenseman, which might cause some anger. Yeah, and but that's did. not our fault. And it, Someone and else it paid. did. But given the situation we're in right here, like I like the idea of the Leafs somewhat buying low because I feel like Ottawa might not have got enough out of him or have not necessarily developed him well enough. Now, he might be at that age where like, well, he is what he is. 
but I still like to believe that the Leafs might be able to find something here. Like there is somewhat of a reclamation project here. Oh, oh my God. A hundred percent. I believe that a hundred percent, man. I mean, the guy's 25 years old, of course, born in Ottawa. So that's one of the things, right? It was that he, he was a hometown boy. So it's tough for a guy like Cody Cece who grew up playing for the Ottawa 67s and then was drafted to the Ottawa Senators. I mean, it was a great situation. You're right. First round, 15th overall. I mean, the guy had a ceiling. Back then, there was a ceiling. I remember Sen's buddies of mine saying, oh, we got Cody Cece. Like, it's, it's going to be fantastic. He got 60 points in 64 games his second last year of junior. Okay, and then 40 points in 42 games. Must have had an injury or something. Or maybe he was at Team Canada or something. But, I mean, he was nearly a point-per-game player in junior Lesko. Then all of a sudden, he joins the Ottawa Senators. And how long has it been, uh, dude, since the Sens were really not fantastic? Like 20, well, has it been 23 20, years 2016? since they had that good run? 2016? Yeah. You know, I mean, after that, it was, it was completely downhill. I yeah. mean, oh, my God. Minus 11, minus 27, minus 22. It just went down, down, yeah. down. Like, not, not, not a great situation uh, for him and I, I totally agree with you on the miscast once they did lose the Carlson Mathot pairing um, you know I think you're right with a miscast and I mean just a toxic environment I think he joins a Leaf team that's on the cusp of winning and he knows that his only goal is to prove it yeah to prove prove that he's worth keeping around because if you're Cody CC as well you want to you want to be in a, a different culture, a different environment. I mean, all these factors I think can contribute to him hopefully having a better, you know, a better season next year. But I mean, we'll wait and see. We could be dead wrong. He could be complete shit. But I, I, I like to believe, and kind of based on what I've seen from him playing in Ottawa and the situation he's been in and the guys he's played with, that there is more to be had. I won't shit on him until he makes me. Yeah, Let's exactly. I won't. I got shit on him just because of some Corsi and all that shit. Yeah. Like, I, I'll let me fucking see him play, and we'll make some decisions. Then. But I mean, the guy's a super late uh, birthday, December twenty one of ninety three. Wow. So let's just call it almost a ninety four yeah. birth year, right? And 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 in Ottawa, born in late nineteen ninety three, he probably hated the Leafs. Oh, without a doubt. Oh, without yeah, a doubt. His whole life. <laughs> playing in Ottawa, like playing, for, well, he started with Peterborough in the, uh, oh, that's the that's the Ontario Junior Hockey League. So yeah, that doesn't even count. So as far as Junior is concerned, it was Ottawa. Yeah. It was it was Ottawa to Ottawa. Yeah. The only time he spent away from Ottawa was when he played 30 games for the Binghamton Senators. All right. Right? So I mean, yeah, he definitely hated the Leafs and now he fucking loves them. Guaranteed. All right, so I want to move on to some more Kyle Dubas magic here. And oh, but we didn't even I talk mean, about Eugene yet. All right, yeah, okay, okay. Well, let's do Eugene quick here. Do the Eugene. Right. So I'm sure everybody heard about the story because it has to be one of the most bizarre stories. If you didn't think stories about the Senators could get more bizarre. They can. They got more bizarre. <laughs> so there was a Rolling Stones concert in Oromodonte, Ontario. I had a couple of buddies actually went down. Oh, it yeah? was fucking amazing. Nice. Now It would be. Eugene Melnick's there. I'm assuming like a VIP backstage somewhere there. And and one of the MPPs in Ottawa, Lisa McLeod, comes up to him and pulls the don't you know who I am? By the way, you're a fucking loser and a fucking idiot. And, you know, she comes out with this this apology the next day because I guess somebody caught wind of it and it got reported. She says, oh, well, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't really say much. I was just passionate about my senators and all this stuff. And then I guess Melnick called her out for a shitty apology. 
And then she comes out and says, well, actually, I spoke out of line and it was disrespectful and I'm sorry and all this stuff. <laughs> she called him a piece of so, shit. So good thing for Eugene in this. He does not look like the big, bigger idiot in this story. It's true. <laughs> right? It's true. It's this uh, finally in government and power, Lisa McLeod, who goes out. And it, apparently they had to contact the premier. They'd contact Dougie Fat Fuck Ford to get him <laughs> to fucking push her to give him a real apology. Oh, my God. But she said, I'm your minister and you're a fucking piece of shit and you're a fucking loser. Like, it's one thing if I said that to Eugene Melnick or like some other sense fan. But like, it's obviously somebody's going to take note of this if you're a member of provincial parliament and you go shooting off your mouth. <laughs> he says, and I'm just kind of cruising through the article, he says that he couldn't, uh, he couldn't place her. So he said, I'm sorry, I, I don't know who you are. And then, and then he says that uh, he recognized someone that was with her. And so he said, are you Lisa McLeod? I just met your... And before he could finish that sentence, she says, fuck you. <laughs> And walks away. Like, so. you know, she was loaded. Yeah. She had to have been loaded. And if you look at the uh, Ottawa Citizen report, they've got their two faces, like, blown up side by side, Eugene and uh, this Lisa McLeod. And uh, no offense, Lisa, I don't know if you listen to the pod. Probably not. But she looks like she enjoys a few brandies, I think. From oh, time I, to and time. that was the other thing is once they came out, like, I, and I'm a big political news junkie, but, like, there's been quite some stories before that she's – been a part of she's had a couple drinks at a few events before and and not been shy about her opinion so i guess when this story came out it was very believable right like people were like oh no lisa mcleod like they were just she did it again yeah it would be like eugene making the news for saying something stupid no it's just the two of them so congratulations lisa mcleod on making eugene melnick not look so bad yeah congratulations way to take the heat off good on you eugene you don't look so bad but basically those two at the stones concert fuck they they're just two peas in a Pod, I go. guess so, man, because <laughs> at the end of the day, and you, you could probably ask some people who live in Ottawa about it, but they might say they're both fucking idiots. They're both idiots. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So going back to the wizard, Kyle Dubas and the genius. team. The boy genius. I think a lot of people would have said this during the season or going into the offseason, but if they could unload Patrick Marlowe's contract, that would be nothing shy of a miracle. Well, holy fuck. They did it. I believe now, I was on record on the fucking pod saying that's all I wanted this summer was yeah. Marlowe and Zaitsev. And I feel bad because I love Patrick Merrill, all the respect in the world, but yep. also Patrick Merrill, classy individual. He released a statement. He obviously had no movement, so he was able to admit, you know, this is what's right for the team. I care about this team more than I care about getting nice time. And he took that trade, and it cost us a first round. That's tough to swallow. Good on Carolina for scooping him like that. Yep. But fuck, they did it, man. I, they got rid of Zaitsev and Marlowe. Like our two contracts where he went, these are our worst value contracts. They need to be moved. And they both got moved. It's miraculous. It is miraculous. And even more miraculous, David Clarkson is a fucking Maple Leaf once again. <laughs> <laughs> I remember where I was when we signed David Clarkson. I was working in Ottawa for the fucking league, the, C, the CCHL. I was working for Canada that week. I, I used to work like one week in each location. I was working in Canada that week and I did not really do much work that day because it was free agent day. I just sat there and watched the TV in my aunt's place because I was chilling at her place while I was working down there. And like we signed Clark, so I was all excited. And it's funny because you look at it now and it's just like, what was I so excited about? Yeah, I was just excited that thirty goals we score? could sign a fucking free agent because like at that time, that's we a were good in that point. period of time too where we couldn't even fucking sign free agents because no one wanted to come here and you were like, oh, sweet, you know, this guy's big, he can score. 
Hometown boy. Yeah, like it was it was a good story. And I remember where I was. It was in fucking Dominican Republic oh, celebrating nice. a friend's wedding. And nice. we were like, whoa, we got Kirkston, right? We are like, sweet. You know what I mean? And You're then, right about that, though. I think it was like not even 10 games in. We're like, oh, he hasn't played yet. So. Yeah, right. The, that yeah. suspension. So obviously, there, yeah. we all need to, re- to go revisionist on this fucking disaster from day one. Right. Um, but we got him back. But I've never been so excited to, to hear that we, we acquired him because... And I, I'm going to save everybody the trouble. I'm just going to push you in the right direction here. I'm not going to go bother explaining all this shit. But basically, it's an LTIR thing that allows us to maximize the usage of cap overages. So the more you're over, the higher you are, you are up against the cap, the more you're over, the better it is in terms of how it can benefit you. If you're like the Leafs and you like paying guys for nothing. And a lot of teams don't want to do well, this. we have to right now. Evidently, Vegas didn't want to do this, right? So I, um, I urge you to go check out uh, James Myrtle's article um, on this, on The Athletic. He really breaks it down very clearly in plain language, kind of LTI or for dummies, as he calls it, um, alongside the motivations for this deal. And I think it might also have something to do with the, uh, the Leafs' ability to not only sign Marner, but possibly have some cap space left over for something else. Possibly a Jake Gardner. That, that I wanted to ask you about because there's speculation Gardner. around that. Why so, hasn't he signed? There, there's the next question. That's the question. Why hasn't he signed? Why so, hasn't he signed? There's, there's got to be two things here. There's got to be a people are having reservations about his injury, is about his back injury, or it's b he's holding out to see if the Leafs can fandangle something for him. Yeah, but he listen though about the injury thing. I think that's a wash because he was able to play like during the injury and then when it was when it was over he elected for did he elect for surgery he didn't get surgery oh, I he, oh he didn't yeah. and i wonder if that was a factor about his free agency where oh. he was like i don't want to take surgery because that might hurt my fucking my payday oh yes that's right no surgery get paid and what then have surgery i don't know <laughs> see that's the thing is like this is a really weird one for me because at this point in time he's got to be one of the most desirable free agents out there right now Yes, like he's got to be one of the the, the higher right ranked now. Right now he's top. Right now that's he's on, top. on the market. I mean, you're talking about a good defenseman who can put up 50 points. Yeah. So there there there's got to be more at play here. Whether it's something that the Leafs are trying to pull off, and he's waiting for. I I still don't think the Leafs, even if they could afford to give him say four million, it's still not what he's worth, or what he you know what he even should think he's worth. Like I figure on the open market, he's asking for six six seven, minimum six seven right somewhere so, around there. Yeah. Six, there, five, there's got to be more at play, you know. I hope all the best for Jake Gardner, and it's not an injury issue, and that there, you know, I can understand why teams have reservations. But yeah, for sure, you have to hope that at the end of the day, that he, he, you know, something good is going to work out for that guy, like, whether it's with the Leafs or elsewhere. Those that know me are going to find it hilarious that I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say it with with belief. Like, I would love to have Gardner back, also. I would. I would love, like, are you kidding me? Yeah, like, of course. Why, why wouldn't why would, you, right? Why wouldn't you? Yes, exactly. Yeah. We all know what he does and the mistakes and blah, blah, blah. But, like, my goodness, like, how could you not want the guy? Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's bad. People like to say that he's bad. You're all wrong. He's not bad. I've said he's bad. I've yelled at the TV. You're fucking terrible, Jake. But that's just because you made a terrible play. And I was like, that play was terrible. And, and being emotional. And, and I'm being emotional. And the puck went in the net. And it was a huge goal. And I'm pretty upset about it. But like at the end of the day, like he's going to be a good player for the team if yeah. he's able to be re-signed. But yeah. I don't think that's—I don't think it's a possibility. But it's weird, man. It is very weird. 
I'd love to get more information yeah. on that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that situation plays out. You got to think, I, I don't see it being one of those like last minute before the season type deals. But anyway, um, one thing that kind of we actually glanced over in the Clarkson thing is that Shartsy, our boy Shartsy, has left the building. Did you see his tweet? I didn't, no. Um, it, it, it was something like, uh, do it right. Do it right. Kill them all or something like that. Something, something like that. You should look, are you looking it up? Look it up while I'm talking. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. looking Okay. It so it was something he, he put like a, a little phrase, do it right. Kill them all or kill them softly or something like that. Do and it right and kill, do right and kill everything. Do right and kill everything. And then there's like a little picture of Drake. Yeah. A picture of Drake, but the picture is, did you Always. miss me? Did you miss me? Oh, right? the song. It's okay. a song. Did you miss me? So well, like he's basically what saying like Leafs made a mistake. I'm gonna go out and kill it, and you're gonna miss me. I hope he does, Garrett. Fucking no one is gonna miss you here, Garrett. <laughs> no one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have to do this to a fucking player. But if Garrett would have came out and said thank you very much to the Toronto Maple Leafs for the opportunity, I had a great time. What a great organization. I can't wait to join my new team and wherever the fuck he went, Vegas. I can't wait yeah. to join my team in Vegas, roll some dice, and have a great time. He seems like an awesome dude, but I definitely lost some respect for him, and I think maybe some of his people on the team might have that night in Ottawa where he fucking called up the boys after yeah. the game. Like, and you were terrible. Who the fuck are you at the back of Goldender to come here? Okay, Freddie Anderson could do that, and I believe he had. Hey, Freddie Anderson didn't get a pass on calling out the team. Yeah, fine. Okay, but you, you can't do that. You can't let and in I five think, goals and I call think, out the team. And and you know what? Odds are, I and I think Koliakov had this take on first up. He said, you know, I think this had a lot to do with what he said that night in Ottawa. And might have at the end, he might have made him less popular. But in front of the sounds things, he was very well liked and he was a very good guy. But when the at the end of the day, the, the Leafs make hockey decisions. Okay, they're not making emotional decisions. You didn't do what you had to do, so you were gone. It was gone so much that they didn't even go in the playoffs with it. Right? He got a shutout in his first game, and was emotional in the interview and cried in front of the Air Canada Center, and it was a great moment. And after that moment, he completely forgot how to fucking stop pucks. Aside from his call to cop run, yeah. It was it was a okay, sorry. He forgot how to stop pucks in the NHL. In the NHL. <laughs> yeah. Because after that moment, there was nothing. Yeah. We got nothing from him, dude. Last year, do you remember a time in the season when he played well? No, I don't. No, I don't. No, every it's not, time, it's unfortunate. Every time he played, you know? it was not good. And and you know what? At the end of the day, like I said, seems like a pretty good guy. At the end of the day, so I hope that you know he has some success, or he can find his footing in Vegas, or he, he ends up being NHL goaltender. I'm still not 100 percent sold that he'll even become one or is one. I'm not. Given you know? what I saw, I'm not. And and I think when the Leafs announced that they got Neuverth on a PTO, that was what sealed his fate. And I think that, and it's from the sounds of things, Neuverth actually turned down guaranteed NHL one-way deals to take this PTO with the Leafs, knowing that he had a good opportunity yes. in this situation, had a good opportunity to contribute to a winning team. And did you and see also, his comments? And you look at Neuverth's numbers, not a huge sample size, but they're pretty impressive when he's healthy. So I think what the Leafs probably said, hey, because of our cap situation, we can't afford to sign you right now, and we can't afford to sign you unless we know you're good. You come to camp, we give you, put you through our medical fucking procedures and yeah. testing. Yeah. We make sure you're good, then we'll give you the money. Yeah. 
and and, he, and he's betting on himself by saying, yeah, I'll take that PTO versus a contract and elsewhere. It's, it's a good point that you that you that you state because there is a very very real opportunity. The guy he has to beat out here is Michael Hutchinson, right? And who's you know. He was serviceable, but I think Neuwirth can definitely beat out. Yeah, Hutchinson. because I think the word on Hutchison is he's a he's a good third option if you fucking have to. Like there oh, was at a, the end of the day, I don't think people say he's a bona fide NHLer. No. But there was a time in Philly when Neuwirth was the guy. Yeah. So I everyone mean, everyone was the guy in Philly yeah. once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, but did you see his comments? Uh, Neuwirth? No, I didn't. Loved it. Oh man, so excited, honored. Can't wait to come and be a part of yeah. Toronto. Can't wait to fight. Uh, the mecca of the city. It's going to be phenomenal. This was this was an extremely exciting phone call to get. I mean, like the guy is right pumped to get in here and be a part of this team. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see a guy who thinks that he deserves this spot on the team because he won a Calder Cup for the affiliated uh, the American affiliate team and just thinks he's going to breeze right into this backup role and play phenomenally well. And if he lets in five goals and three of them were five hole, he's still going to call it the fucking team. Cause that's exactly what it was. He let in five goals that night and three of them were five hole. We argued, well, we didn't argue, but we talked about it heatedly on the yeah. podcast, how fucking mad I was that you cannot let in five hole goals and blame your fucking team. Yeah. The goals were too bad that night. to blame They were the too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Cause we walked out of the arena blaming him. I remember we, we went to that game, right? We yes. walked out of there blaming him. And then on the drive home, I, w- I think one of us was on Twitter and be like, what is he saying? Yeah. Like, he's actually like, come on. Yeah. Anyway, that's just me as a fan being pissed off. Like Good I luck, said, Garrett. At the end of the day, I don't think it factored in too hard in their decision. Um, Good but, luck. But that unfortunately, that's going to be our last memory of you, and that's that's too fucking bad. Well, but, fuck. Better than more memories. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But good move by the Leafs. Another prudent move. And uh, so far, off-season Leafs, I'm sitting at about an A. Oh, you? I can't wait. Yeah, uh, I would give them an A. Actually, the uh, on the on Sirius Radio this week, they're doing uh, GM report, report cards. GM yeah. report cards. So the Leafs will be later this week, I think, uh, Friday. Right on. on Friday. So I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say about that. We Ooh. want to wrap this shit. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. Furthermore, I wanted to give a little shout out here um, to the Felliber brothers. So I partied with uh, Justin Felliber, former Lumber King. Uh, last weekend, we were out for my brother-in-law's 40th, and they're all out from the same way. All the Fellibers are out from where my brother-in-law and my sister live. So uh, we got a little uh, baseball, a little fun baseball tournament going on. We were swimming in the lake. Uh, Felly, Justin can really pick on the six string boy. So we were playing some tunes out by the lake, having a swim, having a great time, showed him, uh, the intro to the podcast. And I was like, bro, check this out. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to get your brother on. Um, and then I was thinking later on in the day and I was talking to him, I was like, dude, maybe like a, maybe like a spit and chiclets, uh, situation where we get, where we get you both on. And, uh, you know, you can talk about Lumber Kings and your time there and a little Sheldon connection, too, because Justin's familiar with Sheldon. And and then Ty, obviously, with his exciting uh, opportunity with the Dallas Stars. So I know Justin was mentioning to me that uh, he's like, yeah, man, he's like, man, my brother would definitely do that. Like, you guys are local. It's all it's cool. So he's going to try. He's going to hook me up, I think. So that's one of the main reasons why I'm bringing this up right now is so that we can give the Fellibers a little shout out and hopefully bring them uh, onto the Pucks and D podcast because we'd love to have them. And, you know, we talked about Ty specifically, Lesko, um, earlier in the season when it was 
on the fence whether he was he was yeah. he was reported to have been signed by the Dallas Stars, but it wasn't official yet. And you know, we were talking about how it's exciting for someone local in the area. We have uh, uh, Matthew Pekka, of course, from Petawawa, who made his way to the Tampa Bay Lightning roster now with the Montreal Canadiens. So we're seeing some uh, players be developed from this very region and making it to the NHL. So all the best to Ty, and maybe we'll see those guys on in the future. Absolutely. And I think when the uh, Leafs actually is a sign that we didn't make uh, any commentary on, but uh, when the Leafs brought in Spezza, I think that might have opened up uh, a little more space for a guy like Felber down in Dallas. Oh, and yeah, very true. I fucking true. love that Spezza signing. Me too. I, as much as like I've, I've beaked him for years I and love stuff, it. but like I think that's a great fucking <laughs> signing, especially the money they got him at. And I'm sure he'd love to go into the sunset in Toronto, finish career, Toronto local boy, happy to play here. Drop fourth line can't make drop passes, so we should be all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he will definitely find a way to yeah. make the drop pass. Um, yeah, actually, I, I texted one of my buddies as soon as I heard about the Spezza signing, and I was like, I might have to get myself a Jason Spezza no, jersey. It's gonna be here. so weird to see him in a Leaf jersey. Man, man, I can't wait to see him skate up the ice like he's got that fridge on his back. And because he like he is dummy. Like, remember for years when the Sens were so good with the Heatley, Alfredson, yeah, those years. Man, he, he was part of that line that just demolished the Leafs. Oh, my Game God. in, game out. Multi-point game. Yeah. You know, put it in the fucking bank. Alfie with two, Spencer yeah. with three assists, and Heatley. Heatley yeah. with a hattie. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Fucking 5-1 Ottawa. And we were at the goddamn game getting pummeled by all the fans, too. That's a decent little pickup for them. If he's right. playing fourth or third line center, I'll fucking take that little PP time hey, puts him in the net. Who was number one in faceoffs last year? Was it Spezza? Jason Spezza. Well, fuck, Babs will love that. I know. Good pro. Good on faceoffs. Eats his Wheaties. Laughs like a dumbass. <laughs>, laughs like... <laughs> Can't yeah, wait for that. Remember that one episode we had his, like... Yeah, we had the compilation. We're yeah. going to get so many good Spezza laughs. Oh, you're right. We're going to have a lot of Spezza talk <laughs> here on the Pucks and D podcast. <laughs> There's the laugh right there. Thanks for joining us. Uh, episode 37 is uh, under wraps. An hour 40... Uh, we thanks for uh, joining us for the whole time. We had a lot of shit to get to here over the uh, last couple of months. But, um, yeah, I don't know when we'll be back. But when we are back, we're going to have a little bit more, uh, probably like a preview, I would say. A little bit more of a preview show, maybe some fantasy talk. We'll see what happens. But uh, until then, thanks for joining us. Pucks and D Podcast, Adam Lesko and Josh Coleman wrapping it up. Take care, comb your hair, and we'll see you when we see you.